Not a whole lot to get to, but it should be a pretty good show and something interesting I want to end the show with. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You have found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We also cover um, ASU football, ASU basketball, USL Championship Soccer with the Phoenix Rising, and WNBA with Phoenix Mercury. But I forgot a step that I normally say, and that's... uh, that we do all these things from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. Yes. So four major franchises of Phoenix, Arizona. We do it from Billings, Montana. And we also cover ASU football, ASU basketball, USL championship soccer with the Phoenix Rising and the WNBA with the Phoenix Mercury. All right here, all under one podcast. There we go. Um, butchered it, but I think I recovered. Um, not a whole lot. Um to get to really i mean it's it's gonna be a you know not a short show but about bad average I, I say um we have um diamondbacks and uh and uh the rangers to get to and then we have uh um cardinals and then we also have uh chris paul and just like a, a general basketball conversation that uh and, and how I'm ending the show but just something that has been floating around I probably should have brought it up a while ago but uh we're going to do it uh for today's show so without that uh or um other than that I just want to say hey <laughs> um hope you're doing well happy uh hump day um, we are a couple more days until the sun's play again. Uh, it's going to be a, a weird, um, I mean, because first series every other day, these first, uh, the second series have been every two and it, with the exception, well, every two with the exception of the three days off now. So it's, uh. Definitely different, um, and I don't even know why. I my best guess maybe is that they want the other, um, the other series to the ones that needed to wrap up from the first round, wrap up, and then and then kind of get a couple of games in to kind of make every series, you know, two game, you know, two games in, maybe three. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but. That's, I don't know, that's, it's wild. But, uh, anyway, um, not, not a whole heck of a lot going on, um, going on with me. Um, yesterday at work was an interesting day. Uh, I don't know, it was, it was just interesting. Um, something I ate, um, did not agree with me at all and this was earlier last week um as well um but it was much worse and so after coming back uh from from the bathroom my manager said hey you good and I said yeah I'm good I just I I don't know something disagree with me and I guess because we were almost done I um or we were closer to being done 
he says, hey, just go ahead and, you know, head on home. So I don't know. Um, I, it wasn't performance-based this time. I think, I don't know, maybe he just didn't like that they were somewhat in a jam and I had someone else cover the area and, and you know, we had a, you know, there there we were getting slammed. And uh, I don't know, maybe he didn't like that, but he didn't say it, you know, so I, I don't know. It was it was very, um, very interesting, but I uh, had a good night Ubering, so that was good. Um, and uh, uh, made over 100, which I normally do, but I actually haven't in a while. Um, so it was, it was good to do that. And uh, I think that's... Uh, that's about it. Nothing, nothing too wild and crazy going on right now. Nothing, nothing for me to share. I don't have any, any stories or anything, um, anything going on, um, that uh, is crossing my mind. So, I guess with that, uh, we'll go ahead and get into uh, the Diamondbacks. Um, we'll talk about them first on Big Sky Sports Talk, and that's next. Well, unfortunately, uh, Zach Gallen's um, scoreless inning um, streak is is over. Uh, he does not get tagged with the loss or the win. More of a, a no decision for him. Um, he went five innings, uh, had seven hits, three earned runs, six strikeouts. Uh, so, you know, uh, not... Uh, great, not bad. Uh, obviously, the first two um, outings that he had were were by far some of his worst. But uh, and now a two point five three ERA. Um, uh, Texas wins uh, six to four over the Diamondbacks. So that's two back back to back losses. Um, now, most certainly. A and I'm gonna double check a full game behind the Dodgers, one and a half games. So it was a half. So now that uh, losing that is a one and a half. So not too bad. A half game above San Diego, but uh, need to find a way to get a win. Um, get a win today. But we'll talk about today here in just a a second. We gotta finish talking about a game that that was, like I said, six to four. Um, after uh, Zach went out, um, Scott McGuff he pitched an inning, uh, gave up two hits, two earned runs, um, and a strikeout, four point nine one ERA. Uh, Kyle Nelson, uh, two thirds of an inning, one hit, another earned run, a walk, and a strikeout, one point five four. Um, he had one of the lowest ERAs than it out of anybody. Uh, Kevin Ginkle. Um, one inning, uh, just a walk, 3.38 ERA. And then um, Chafin, um, a third of an inning, just a strikeout, 2.53 uh, ERA. Um, and just to start it off, I mean, this, um, and not really the first pitch, um, but to lead it off, uh, for the Diamondbacks and get their first score, well, enter Cattell Marte. 
This is a drive to right field, and Cattell Marte gets the Diamondbacks started off. That's his fourth, and just like that, it's 1-0 D-backs. Boyadolis Garcia barely... So, Cattell Marte gets the Diamondbacks on the board. It was one nothing at that point. And then also in the first, uh, Fletcher, um, Dominic Fletcher, uh, single to left, and uh, Christian Walker scored. It's 2-0. Um, and then here comes the Texans in the first. Uh, low, single to left, and uh, Simeon scored. It's 2-1. to one. And then in the second, uh, Marte sacrificed fly to center, and Perdomo scored. And then... Um, in the third, we have this from Christian Walker, who uh, adds to the lead with this blast. This is slammed to right center. Christian Walker, gone! It's in the bullpen. There's the hip shot for Walker, and it's 4-1 Diamondbacks. Well, once again, Garcia in right field just quit on that ball almost. So, um, Quetel Marte, 405 yards, or four, 405 yards, 405 feet, um, and... Uh, uh, Christian Walker, 402 feet uh, around the same area. It's 4-1 to one at that point in the uh, third, and you're feeling pretty good. But then um, uh, between the fifth and the seventh inning, uh, the Texans, well, they scored five unanswered. Simeon single to left, and uh, Duran scored. Uh, it's 4-2 to two, also in the fifth. Uh Jankowski single to center and uh, uh, Grossman scored. It's four to three in the sixth. Duran homered, um, and uh, he and and Heim, uh, it's either him or Heim, uh, scored. It's four to five. They take the lead in the seventh. They get one more insurance. Thompson scored on a Kevin Ginkle wild pitch, so that's unfortunate there. Um, uh, Burke gets the win. McGuff with the stick, stuck with the loss, and then um, Smith with the the save for uh, the Texans. Uh, Josh Rojas went one for three. Evan Evan Longoria over two. Uh, Cantel Morte two for three with the run, the home run, and the two RBIs. Pavin Smith was the DH over three. Uh, Rivera um, pinch hitter over one. Christian Walker. Two for five, the two runs and the home run, the and the RBI. Um, Gurley L, zero for three. Uh, Fletcher, two for three, um, and uh, a run, an RBI. He's batting six hundred. I mean, he just got called up, but he's he's been doing really good. Moreno, zero for four. Alec Thomas, zero for three. Nick Ahmed, uh, pinch hitter, zero uh, for one. And Perdomo, two for four. Diamondbacks get four runs on nine hits. 
no errors and Texans six runs, ten hits, also no errors. Um, and game two of this uh, two games uh, road trip, two game series will um, uh, be uh, tonight. Well, this afternoon, rather, excuse me. Um, Brandon Fott um, will be on the mound. He got called uh, back up, right-handed pitcher, uh, rookie, um, and then against Andrew Henley, uh, so uh, the lefty. So Brandon Fott will have his, uh, what I believe should be, major league uh, debut uh, this afternoon. And uh, then, then the Diamondbacks will be, uh, will be back home. Uh, but uh, that's it for for Diamondbacks. Just real quick, um, we'll go ahead and switch gears and and go uh, to the Cardinals, and that will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. So post draft. Um, Press conference, uh, we already um, heard from um, Monty Austinfort. Um, this is the first time that I've ever seen the uh, Cardinals do this, and this is um, a press conference with the coaches. Now, obviously not with the whole coaching staff, but obviously um, just the uh, uh, coordinators um, on the offensive and defensive side. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get to hear from um, uh, from oh gosh, um, was it Rogers? Uh, gosh, what is our um, special teams coach? Um, Jeff Rogers. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was thinking Will Rogers, but Jeff Rogers, but. We hear from Jonathan Gannon, um, Drew Petzing, and uh, Nick Rallis, Um just talking about the 2023 draft draft class. Um, and then um, there is, I do know that there's, I haven't heard all of it, but I do know this question is asked to, asked to uh, um, Jonathan Gannon about that the, the, the tampering that happened, So, uh, which is interesting, and I never thought about it before, but we had that press conference um you know, welcoming uh, Jonathan Gannon and, and, you know, Cardinals talk about, hey, this is, um, you know, the, how it went down. And, and basically Cardinals told uh, the Eagles, hey, I know you guys are getting ready to leave town. Um, tell Jonathan Gannon, don't leave town. We want to talk to him. And, uh, and then he's like, you know, oh, hey, that's cool, you know, and, ready for an interview the day after, but I mean, with, with the tampering come out, you know, why act surprised? I mean, I don't know. It just, it was, it kind of seems pretty, I mean, well, with tampering, it is pretty shady, but it's just very interesting. I mean, why even tell the story? But anyway, that, that gets asked and, uh, we'll hear, uh, JG's response on that. But, um, Cardinals coaches discussing the 2023, uh, draft class. Let's uh, let's rock. See everybody. So um, just recapping the draft. Uh, 
obviously uh, mining his staff, a lot of work that went into that. Um, feel really good about how he came out of the draft with the nine draft picks and the 10 free agents. Um, that was my first time sitting in a room uh, the entire time. And not going to lie, I was a little nervous uh, when we're on the clock with like two minutes left and he had three teams that he was talking to. So uh, it was really cool to see that and, you know, the process of him and his staff and, uh, you know, feel really good about how he came out of the draft, excited about to get the guys in here. We had a lot of um, contact with a lot of the guys that we took throughout the process, whether it be at the combine or in the top 30 visits and uh, Zoom calls and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, I think the thing that stands out that I'm most pleased with is, is the character of the guys. And that was important to me and Monty, our entire staff, of making sure we get high character guys in here because we know that high character guys typically hit their ceiling and help you win games as a team. So. Uh, you know, it was just it was neat talking to the go those guys after the weekend, and uh, just hear that reiterated. You know, coach can't wait to get here and do whatever we can do to help the team win. So uh, excited about those guys, and we'll get them here. I think on next a week from Thursday uh, for a mini camp, and uh, we'll go from there. Where's uh, where's the best place for Paris Johnson to start? Yeah, we'll figure that out. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the question. You know, he's obviously played outside and inside. Um, you know, we just got to get him on the grass and see where he kind of fits in with the other guys. Um, I'm very comfortable, you know, what he's put on tape of playing a lot of different spots on that offensive line. So we'll put the best guys out there and, and um, you know, the best five and see how we can make them gel together and uh, hopefully move people in the run game and keep the quarterback upright in the pass game. Drew, do you have a, a, an option in mind where you think Paris? Yeah, I think Coach kind of hit it on the head. I mean, we're going to get our best five out there. So as we kind of go through the offseason and seeing where the pieces fit and making sure that we're playing the guys that give us the best chance to win, and I think his versatility is a big part of that. Um, but I don't think we're going to say, hey, it's got to be here, got to be there. I think we're working through that here this spring and into training camp. Along those lines, where do you, Drew, and Jonathan, where do you kind of see the center position right now, given who you have on the roster? Yeah, I like where we're at right now. And then, you know, we added a couple. Uh, we added Gaines, and who's played center, a little bit of center, and a couple free agents. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll sort that out just like all the other positions to see, you know, what's the best combination of people, who's comfortable doing what they need to do from the center position, both guards position. Um, but I like where it's at right now. You know, Fro's done a really good job for us in there these last couple weeks here. And um, we'll, we'll continue to evaluate that as we get going. you view that as the, that group is the biggest competition maybe going into training camp? Uh, I don't know if I'd say specifically that group. I think one of the things that we want to breed is competition at every position. I think that's a big part of being a competitive team and getting your best 11 out there and being hard to defend. Um, so I think that's kind of the mindset that we preach to those guys and the identity that we want to have as an offense. Guy like Tune. Yeah, I think um, you know Israel had a chance to work with him at the Senior Bowl for a week, so got a feel for his personality and how he processes and how he plays the game. Um, so really, just excited to get him in here and watch him go to work and, and, and learn the offense and compete. JG, uh, Monty kind of talked about this draft class will always be special to him because it's the first one in this position with this franchise. How about for you? What was it like for you to, to be a part of this and you know? Be a part of the phone call that changes these kids' lives. Yeah, it was it was great. You know what I mean. Obviously, these guys have put in, 
you know, a lot of work to get to this point that they're in of getting that phone call and the sacrifice that goes into, you know, ever since they were little kids, you know what I mean? And I'm sure that was a dream of a lot of them, those guys. But um, I think now, it, it, you know, what I'll talk to them about is it really doesn't matter how you got into the building. What matters is what you do from here. And I always talk to them about, you know, how can you create value for yourself as you get into the building? And it's a, it's a ticking clock, you know what I mean? And, and coaches are no different. And um, because at some point they're going to say, this organization is going to say, hey, we value you or we don't. And, um, you know, typically I talk to them about if, if we value you as an organization because you've created all this value on and off the field and what you do, um, you know, in between the white lines, in the community, in the meeting rooms, everything like that, you're a good citizen, probably other organizations value you too. So um, I think that's the main point of now you're kind of your, your clock starts over, you know, good job, you know, but then now your clock starts over, you start from ground zero. What's it like seeing Kyler and Paris start to develop a friendship or relationship? Like they have? Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I think it's, it's you always want that bond. I think guys that, that feel close to each other in terms of shared common goals, um, you know, guys that have a respect for each other and have that relationship tend to play harder for each other. You know, so I think it's it's great to see that, and that's certainly just the beginning of it. And it's not just going to be between the two of them, all right? It's got to be between everybody on that field and in that meeting room. And uh, I think it's a good start and certainly got a long way to go. I think like uh, Josh, just to add on that, you guys saw, and because I happened to be standing there with Paris's presser, and uh, it hit me. It was kind of so, and he he actually I met with him on that top thirty visit after that had happened, and he kind of told me the same thing. And it, you 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 don't think about it from our seat or our standpoint as far as these guys are really good college players, and you know they're in the news and kind of public figures, but they still have an appreciation for guys that have done it and played at a high level. And and truthfully, he was a little starstruck. You know what I mean? Oh my God, like Kyler knows my name. You know what I mean? But um, I think Drew hit on it. All our guys have to feel that sense of connection because you typically, you know, you do a little extra for if you care about people. So um, our guys are starting to create a good bond of that through these last three weeks and we'll continue to do that. Nick, you said football got addressed in two and three after the first round offensive player. What is it like? What gets you excited about BJ and, and Garrett? Yeah, so I think, like Jonathan already said, every player that we feel that we brought in has high character, right? And we got the opportunity to meet with those guys at the combine. And I mean, it was apparent right away just in that brief meeting. You know, you're almost speed dating during those official uh, um, interviews, whatever, in the suites. And you finish those interviews and you're like, whoa, with, with Garrett and BJ, you're like, wow, those guys, you talk about football character, like, what does that mean? Well, they're willing to do whatever it takes to hit their ceiling. And like just within 20 minutes, the love of the game comes out in those guys. Because if you're going to talk that detailed about, hey, this is what we're doing schematically, here's my technique, BJ's like, oh, this is how that's tackle set, I knew I wanted to work them like this, you're like, that kind of detail, you only get to that level when you put in a lot of time and you do it consistently. And, you know, it was very clear that with both those guys and really, you know, every guy that we've, we've acquired through the draft on defense, like they love ball and their football character is high and they're going to give everything they got. Um, and then, you know, as far as on the field ability wise, um, I love what Ojulari can do in the pass and run game, you know, very versatile player. 
Uh, I think he's a very natural pass rusher. You can see his bend. I think, you know, coming off the edge with speed, he can beat you with speed, he can beat you with speed. But as soon as he gets overset, it's not, oh, no, what happened? He's very fluid and natural with his counter rushes. And then on top of that, he can stick a long arm in there and work, work moves off his long arm. So as far as his rush ability, very versatile, very natural, right? There is, there is a bit of nat how natural is this guy rushing off the edge? He's very natural. And then I love the tools that he has in, in the run game um, as far as being able to set some violent edges and, and collapse the edge. Uh, and that's what we're looking for at that spot. And then, you know, Garrett, another guy, high character. The one thing that I really love that, that stands out with him is at that position, he possesses a mindset of you have to play with high motor and violence still. And that's something we talked about on defense of this is, this is important. It doesn't matter what the scheme is. It doesn't matter anything like that if you don't play with high motor and violence. And he's going to play that way. And then you know his skill set of being able to transition A to B, I think his off man is elite. You know He can tempo the routes. He can get out of his break and go challenge the ball. Um, really excited about both those guys' skill sets. Don't set the bar too high for the guy. <laughs> Do you want me to be honest about my excitement or not? Can you guys look at Papo? I mean, a guy with, he does have great character. He was a captain. Yeah. Great athleticism and measurables. So why did he fall to the fifth, and what do you guys need to do to get him to? Yeah, I, I think I would think the the rounds. You know, everybody's everyone has a different flavor of what they like. You know, and um, I was I was surprised where we got him. Honestly, uh, when you ask the question to kids or to kids to to players, college guys, that shows my age. Um, you know, what did you study in college? And he was like an exercise science type deal. Yeah, he's about, he's and, about it and now. He, and he basically yeah. said, I, I want to really be a strength coach after I'm done playing in the NFL. And he, he looks that way. But I just thought that was kind of a cool answer because he was a little bit lighter, played safety, then kind of changed his body. Um, I think that he fits the description of what we're looking for. Everyone you know, has different things, what they like to do with linebackers in this day and age. But... You know, one of our huge criteria of linebacking play is being able to play in space. And, you know, Kaiser was a safety at one point in his career, um, and he's really no different. So the ability to run from sideline to sideline and match routes and cover receivers, like that's all critical to that position. So, um, you know, when he came in here, another guy that came in on his top 30, and I remember shutting the door, and I was like, geez, man, that guy is on it, you know. and. Uh, We'd love to get him, and uh, Monty did a good job. I'd, I'd piggyback, too, you know, as far as just his play in the box. I think one thing that I'm very excited about is his ability to process, diagnose. He's got a natural feel to play in there. And you could tell he's, he's played a long time at, at a high level um, in college football. And you can see whether it's the run play, getting to where I have to get to. Oh, here comes this blocker. Let me transfer my eyes to the block, defeat the block, get back to – get into the ball carrier, like very polished with, with his skill set at that position. I wasn't really planning on interrupting this, but since they brought up a Papo um, who uh, played at Auburn, and, you you, you know, I ha did the best I could um, with that, uh, that those highlights and tried to describe what was happening with each player. But if you heard me say Papo – he, oh, this is against Alabama, and he, he gets a pick. 
Papa was one of the few. Like I, th- I think maybe I know no more than five. I want to say between two and five players to get an interception off of um, off of a uh, uh, Bryce Young um, last season. Um, Bryce Young obviously going number one overall. You know, and and a lot of people in Alabama considering Bryce Young one of the best, if not bet. Uh, one of the better, if not best, let's say that first, uh, better, if not best, quarterbacks that, that uh, Alabama has had. Um, and, and there's a long list of quarterbacks that Alabama has, has had that, that have been really solid college quarterbacks. Um, to, uh, you know, you, uh, Jalen, you can just keep on going down the down the list, um, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, there's four or five of them right now in the league. Um, Bryce Young being the most recent and, um, so, uh, that, that's, that's, that says a lot, you know, at least, at least to me. So I just thought, figured I'd throw that nugget in there about Papo. I know, uh, with Wilson, here's your thoughts on Wilson. I know the guy runs a senior bowl. He, he labeled him one of the biggest sleepers he thinks was in the draft. And so. Just, just curious your thoughts on him and what you feel he can really do well at this level. Yeah, uh, I think he brings a lot to the table from the receiver position. Certainly his size, his fluidity, uh, route running, you know, at the catch point, really smooth athlete. So uh, excited to get him in here and, and let him compete and see what he can do on the field. But I think he does bring a lot to the table and, and gives these guys a lot to think about in terms of how they would want to defend him. Jonathan, what kind of quarterback is two? potential and, and how much do you not have to change the offense when, if he's playing when you're in the Kylo? Yeah, I think, I mean, you saw from from the tape what it's showed was he's, he can make all the throws and he's a big guy that's mobile. So that's probably a better question for Drew, but I don't, you know, I think that, um, you know, obviously he's a little bit different than the other quarterbacks that we have here. Um, not to say that he can't function like that because I think he can, but if he's out there playing, then we're going to do everything that we can to tailor fit the offense around him, just like we would do with anybody. So, but uh, what I was impressed was is you, I didn't realize that he was, you know, that big how he moved around, and um, I think that's valuable in in the 2023 in the NFL right now. Regarding Isaiah Simmons' future, what what's in the conversations about his role going? Yeah, I had a really good talk with Isaiah. You know, obviously talked to Isaiah a lot. Um, really comfortable with where we're at with him. Um, he's very comfortable with it. And, um, you know, the option or whatever, you know, he, it really doesn't change. That's why I love where I'm, what I say I'm really comfortable where we're at is and comfortable where he's at is. It doesn't change how he goes about what he's doing. And um, he knows he has to play well for us and for him. And that's like everybody. So I uh, really like where his mindset's at and, and excited to get to work with him. Before we get into the question about Zavin, um, and uh, we'll go to um, Isaiah Simmons. And obviously that fifth-year option um, – being declined, which makes will make him a uh, free agent in twenty twenty four. Um, the Cardinals um, still can resign him; they'll just re- be resigning him as a as a free agent. Um, and for someone like Isaiah Simmons, I think you know he probably uh, 
uh, assumed going, you know, when he got drafted by Cardinals and being a, the type of player he is, I'm sure he probably assumed, yeah, they'll pick up my fifth year option. Why not? Uh, and and then to find out that they don't, he's like, man, I think I now I got to do more. And and he's not doing more just for the Cardinals. He's doing more for himself. He's doing more for uh, other uh, other teams. The other twenty nine uh, teams. And so, um, you know, that that's huge. And I, I expect him to have a really good year because he, he's going to be putting a lot of stuff on tape. Uh, so, you know, if the Cardinals, like, you know, let him walk, feel like he's going to be too expensive to sign um, at the end of this year, then someone will, um, and uh, he'll find out what his worth is. And I think it will really, really push him. So I expect Isaiah Simmons to have a pretty good year. Um and, and, you know, I think he would have had a good year regardless. Obviously, you get that, you know, you know you get in that fifth year. And you're like, oh, good, I'm going to be here longer. You feel good. You Your mind is settled. You you know where you're going to be uh, at least for one more year. Uh, but uh, now it's like you're more determined than ever. So I look for Isaiah Simmons to have a pretty good year. Well, Zavin's got obviously a diverse skill set and – with that, you can utilize him in a lot of different ways, um, whether it's playing linebacker, playing on the edge, blitzing off the middle, blitzing off the edge, dropping into coverage. You, you can really do it all with him. And it's not just the skill set, it's his intelligence, right? You have to be very intelligent to be used in a versatile role. So, you know, he gives us a lot of flexibility on defense. So there really isn't a black and white answer with that. It's, it's multiple, right? And it makes you less predictable as a defense, and it allows him to utilize all the different traits that he has, intelligence, speed, motor, tackling ability. You know, it, it really brings all of that out within his game. Like going from inside to outside, though, like eyes are different. Yeah, you just hit it right there. Eyes are, are a huge thing. Um, and the great thing about it, he's, he's done both. And so you definitely have to retrain your eyes differently from playing on the edge. You almost narrow your focus a bit as, a, as, as opposed to playing stack. You're in the middle of defense. You got to see everything, right? And he's, he's, he can do both. Um, I think the, the key is that when I'm inside, this is what my vision is like. When I'm outside, this is what my vision is like, being able to transition in and out and getting comfortable with being able to do that. But he definitely has the trained process to do either or. Really, Isaiah, I guess you no could doubt. Versatility. Yes. Maximize what he can do within the scheme and what he's asked to do. Yeah, you get, I think number one is you get really good at one thing and you keep building off of that, right? And again, Isaiah, he's picking up everything that we're, that we're installing extremely fast, which may get you really excited to say, okay, let's keep adding, let's keep adding, let's keep adding, because again, the skill set, versatile, the, intelligence, high, be able to do a lot of different things with one guy to bring out all those different skills that he has. Just like what we've been doing on the grass, I think get them uh, comfortable with how we operate in this building. Um, so we're going to set that standard. And then um, basically get them out on the grass and kind of um, you know, start introducing techniques and schemes and 
and um, give them to know where everything at is in the building. And because they're not, you know, how we chose to do it is once they get here, they're going to stay and they'll be submerged with the vets, uh, which was important for me. So um, I think that, uh, and you, you also, I told the coaches this morning, it's like, you know, when I was a position coach, well, I'm going to do this with them and this with them and this with them and this with them. And I, and I always, you know, had to learn kind of, well, he's got other stresses going on too. You know, he's, you know, it's a new strength program. It's a new recovery program. Um, it's a new scheme. It's new installation. So uh, we'll be, we'll make sure that we get done what we need to get done with them, um, but keep them mentally fresh as well. Because they've been going a long time now. You know, that's why everyone talks about the rookie year and the rookie wall. They think, oh, you haven't played this many games before, which is true. But if you think about their last year and a half, you know, getting ready for their college season, going playing college, all their games, bowl games, all-star games, whatever that is, training for the combine, going to the combine, training for their pro day, going to the pro day, flying on top 30 visits. Okay, now train for a rookie minicamp, get to rookie minicamp, go through that, and then six weeks with the vet, go play football. Oh, and then you get four weeks off, and then you're playing for 20-some-odd weeks. That's why, you know what I mean? That's why the rookie, the rookie wall is, is real. So we just got to make sure we're doing a good job of managing their energy systems. Absolutely, 100% they have, yeah. You just mentioned all the rookies have to process. So, you know, you get your draft got K's mostly, you know, so it kind of puts the onus on you guys to, as coaches, right? It's kind of like, a, you know, Way to win, hopefully. But you know, there's when you talk about how much they have to process and what you have to teach them, and you guys have obviously done it before. But I mean, there's a lot of learning on your part. Like, how much they can handle yeah. each guy individually, right? So, how much do you embrace that challenge? Good question. Really good. And I think um, it's it is a big time challenge, and you gotta you gotta learn about the person first before you get to the before you get to that. And um, I think Monty said it best about the A grade. You know, we'll see in a couple of years. You know, I've been on teams that. <clears throat> you know, you maybe get a not a very good grade and they end up being really good players. So, um, and vice versa. So everybody's different. But I think that there is a challenge to you got to figure out what makes them tick and how they learn and all those things, all the different ways that you can teach something to somebody. You got to figure out, just like all our guys right now, what is the best way for them kind of to do that. So, um, and that takes a little bit of a process, but um, we're excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll let Drew talk about that. I think that uh, you better come in here with some confidence, or the league will will weed you out pretty quick. So. Um, you know, I think that the most important thing is whether what what is in your brain, and we'll help educate them on what should be in their brain a little bit. But come to work every day, and those things kind of take care of itself. So, you know, it's one day at a time. Get a little bit better each day, and um, you know, see if the job of the players is to maximize themselves. And wherever that takes them, that's where it takes them. For, for any of you guys, we you know how chaotic it can be when the draft is over with the undrafted guys. Is there? couple that you know you know pretty well and you said boy I'm glad we got that guy we really feel he can come in and compete yeah I know I have that answer but go ahead you guys 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, you know, with Kyle, at linebacker, um, we had the privilege of he was here at the local pro day. And so it was really good to be able to, to see him in person and work with him. You can't, un, you can't undervalue that ability, that interaction of when you're on the field, right? And so not only did we get to see the skill set, the movement skills, um, but we also got to see kind of the leadership and the work ethic. Um, and so it was really cool. That was a unique uh, perspective with Kyle because it was, man, we get to we get to work with this guy, and we knew that they this is a guy that we would love to to have as a part of our our squad. Jonathan, you touched on the uh, settlement with the Eagles on your radio interview a little while ago. Could you maybe tell us your explanation, thoughts? Yeah. So you know, um, uh, you know, it's a mistake that we made, and. Um, the league kind of rectified it and we've moved on. But basically, after the NFC Championship game, Monty reached out and, um, you know, kind of said, hey, you know, congratulations. He's been to some Super Bowls and and uh, gave me a little advice about how to handle that and said, look, like I'm in, we're in the middle of a coaching search and don't know how the timing of this is all going to shake out. But basically, would you be interested in interviewing if the timing gets pushed back till after Super Bowl? And I said, yeah, I would be. And um, then I didn't hear about it until after the, the game that we played when Howie came up and talked to me about, hey, you know, Arizona wants to interview you. So, um, you know, I, I uh, um, you know, it was a mistake that we made. And um, I apologize for that. And, um, you know, looking forward to moving on now and, and getting going. So that's kind of the story on that one. Well, I guess that makes a little bit more sense of why he, you know, the story kind of goes that he seems, you know, oh, hey, I got a, you know, got an interview. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't, you know, you're not leaving with us. You know, that, that whole bit. I, I can't remember which episode I played it for. Obviously, probably the, either the money, uh, probably the Jonathan Gannon introduction or, or Monty Austin for an introduction. I'm not, well, no, it had to be the Jonathan Gannon introduction. Um, you know, so I mean, NFC Championship to Super Bowl. There, there's some good bit. You know, a couple of weeks or so of time and and that. So I guess he would be like kind of oh, you know, I, they you know kind of maybe in the back of his mind they mentioned to me that they want to talk to me, but I hadn't heard about it in a couple of weeks. I thought that was you know maybe they were going to go in another direction. You know, I mean, from that aspect of it, it. it seems likely but definitely a mistake man you you know you can't do that um uh, everybody knows and you know so uh, that sucks i mean it didn't cost them a lot i think they basically swapped third round picks and it that you know it's basically you know as i brush my hands you know all right we're done with that you know wash your hands of it and and move on which is great but uh it sucks because and well, thankfully, Monty kind of made up for it, so to speak. He had eight guys, eight original picks, drafted nine. Um, that was pretty solid. Um, but when you kind of get deeper, it's you know it it's really affecting the team. So anyway, Philadelphia, it wasn't a conversation; it was a Zoom interview. Can you? No. No, it was not a Zoom interview. Um, it was a phone call. And, um, you know, I've talked to Monty before, you know, 
couple of years ago, a year ago, or whatever, and I picked up, and you know that's impermissible contact. So that's what it is, and the league handled it how they wanted to handle it. And um, you know, like I said, looking forward to moving on. With, uh, with a guy like Michael Wilson, I mean, gives you some size out there. How do you assess right now your receivers? Obviously, you've got some good receivers, but Hollywood's not the biggest guy, and, and neither is Dorch or, or Rondale. So, like, how do you assess the size that you need at receiver right now, and is it where you need it to be? Yeah, I think uh, you know it's a that's a loaded question in a lot of different ways. But I think the the number one job of a receiver in our world is get open and catch the ball. And whether you're small, big, slow, fast, if you can do those two things, we can use you. So I think we're going through the offseason right now and trying to evaluate and teach the system. And right now we really can't even go against the defense. So you're teaching some tools, you're going through technique, they're learning the language. And then I think OTAs will give us a little sense of who can do that and at what level. Uh, but really, until you can press and put the pads on, we're not going to know for sure. So I think right now it's about just improving as individuals, uh, learning our language, and so that they can go out and compete when training camp comes around. Talk about things and what was said, or do you just trust them to be pros? And yeah, pros? I talked to them both about it, and they, they handled it. Back to Isaiah for a second. Just to make sure you guys did not pick up the option, correct? So one more time, Josh. Pick up the option. We did not. Some clarification there, you know, of course. Um, I, I, I can, you know, uh, understand that. Uh, just Weinfuss wants to make sure, hey, that it wasn't just a, any random thing. No option picked up. Uh, so with that, we'll move on, uh, you know, to Suns, but not specifically Suns. Just, just some basketball talk is, uh, I guess, how we're going to – um, call this, um, I know how I'm going to, you know, in the, um, uh, of course, well, when you, you're about to get to that point. Um, but when I, uh, do the timestamp, I know what I'm going to write for it. I just don't want to spoil what I'm going to go into, I guess. I don't know. Um, but anyway, we'll do some sons and main, uh, some basketball talk and, it, uh, is, is kind of what we're doing and that's up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. So with uh, Chris Paul out, um, report is right now that he will be reevaluated in a week. Um, these couple of uh, days uh, before the game will help, but uh, obviously... With that being said, who should be out um, for game three and game four? I may, I think maybe the week mark might be for game five, if necessary. So we'll we'll see how that that goes. But uh, um, kind of a question, one of two questions is, um, how will the Suns fare without um, Chris Paul? And then uh, kind of another question we want to talk about real quick. Uh, as well as is, um, has Chris Paul, maybe you know, hopefully got um, you know he's back for this series. But if he's not, and maybe the Suns, you know, Suns lose, obviously. Um, you know, the question is, has he uh, played his last game for the Suns? I think even if he wins, that could be a fair question. And it's a tough question to ask if, if, if Chris Paul has played his last game. Is it time to move on? 
from from Chris Paul. So we'll, we'll get discuss that. But I have this uh, um, from uh, Bally Sports to just kind of talk talking a little bit about both those things. You think that Chris Paul's injury is a result of the Suns not having enough depth, or is it just kind of bad luck? Because one of the things Scoop and I talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago was that the Suns' big three—they're playing heavy minutes in that first round. And we discussed whether it was sustainable or not. And here we are. Chris Paul obviously suffering an injury here in game two. So what do you think this is? A L- little bit of old fellas. Uh, you hit it right on the head. Obviously, Chris Paul is older. So you'd like to see in campaign also miss some time. So it's huge getting him back. But he's going to be he's going to go from just getting back in the lineup to having uh, a heavy, heavy minutes and heavy time. So, uh, yes, them having to go heavy uh, because of the trade they made, because having to go Kevin Durant heavy. But you go make a trade for Kevin Durant and you got your big three. You got to go out and play him. You know, so unfortunately with Chris Paul's age, it was it was the risk versus reward. And right now it looked like to be more of a risk with Chris Paul now not being able to play. Um, is this going to affect the series? Yeah, it's going to be huge. But what we've seen is that teams and you got to think Joel Embiid sitting out and, you know, Philly getting that game's huge one. Teams have rallied around with that next man up mentality. Campaign has been here before, but, you know, obviously you like to have, you know, Kevin Durant on one wing and Devin Booker on the other. So uh, ultimately, is it make or break for the series? No. Um, I, I look at this series. I don't think it's over, but I, I do think that they're going to have problems if Chris Paul doesn't come back and and, 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 and help this team uh, down the stretch. Because, the, I mean, you got Contavious Caldwell Pope, the fifth the fifth option on that team, shooting perfect damn near, and, 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 and averaging a double-double. I think he's averaging like 10.6 points. Uh, in seven games this 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 playoff. So uh, it's going to be a, an interesting role for them to come back and make things happen. Yeah, I think without Chris Paul, they can definitely still do it. But I think KD is going to have to step up a little bit more in that playmaking role. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I've kind of noticed this, not only in these two games with the Nuggets, but also in the first round when they play the Clippers. There's, a, there's quite a few times where you see KD on the wing just kind of calling for the ball. He's like waiting in the corner, waiting on the wing, and it's Chris Paul and maybe Devin Booker operating and you see I think more from Chris Paul he tends to kind of hold on to the ball a bit long at times and it seems like Katie's getting like a little frustrated at this you know at times but obviously they're better with Chris Paul on the floor no doubt but I think uh, now we'll see KD have the ball in his hands more as you know, the point and, forward as the point forward as the yeah, the point forward. and you and you you've seen Kevin Durant do that at points this season uh, during the point when Kyrie Irving uh, was suspended uh, for a period of time, um, I saw it in a game against the Washington Wizards, and I saw it in a game against the Charlotte Hornets, uh, where both both of those times uh, Kevin became almost average, had a triple double in both those games, if I'm not mistaken. I actually asked Kevin about that recently, and he said to me that you know he's willing to do whatever they want him to do on the floor, um, and and I, he's kind of going to have to play like Carmelo Anthony in Denver as the as the small forward. Uh, that, that's going to get everybody involved. And it's a good luxury to have Devin Booker moving off the of screens. Oftentimes, I think when you have swingmen like Kevin Durant or, or Devin Booker uh, who have such a dynamic playmaker like Chris Paul, sometimes those guys are stagnant because they're used to just being the, the primary scoring option. So what do you do when it's two scoring options? Then you also have a lean DeAndre Ayton who stands under the basket and kind of floats a bit. It's kind of like a log jam. So now that you got campaign kind of moving off the screen, to be honest with you, this is where you miss Michael Bridges. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they gave up a lot in that trade, right? Not only with Mikel, but Cam, two of their two of their top shooters, two of their top defenders. And you guys both touched on this. Like, they gave up a lot of their depth and they went out and got KD. But that's what you get. That's what you get, right, is when you're going for one of the best players in the league. Uh, yeah, interesting conversation there. Um, and it, it's going going to be tough without Chris Ball because he does add so much. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of been back and forth on this. I hope he hasn't played his last game because I would like to see him out there more. But um, I think, irregardless, I think it might, and it sucks to say this, I think it might be time to move on from Chris Paul after this season. I think uh, this uh, next season is his fourth year of the of the contract that was signed, and the fourth year is not a guaranteed a year, if I remember correctly, of how the contract goes. Uh, so you're not, you're not, you know, you're not paying a bunch of money. It, it was more of like an option year um, for for the Suns, and so um, that's that's the next question and conversation that um, the front office needs to have is um, do you know do we want to do we want to move on from Chris Paul? And um, if we don't, then when do we, you know, do we just go ahead and finish out the four years, just give them one more or try to find a better backup that can take more of a a larger role? Because that's something that they've really been focusing on is, is, well, maybe we're playing Chris Paul too much and and it takes a lot out of them to, um, to bring the ball up. And, uh, and so, uh, maybe we should, um, uh, you know, have him defer a little bit in that way, and and uh, so he's not bringing the ball up, or or whatever it might might be, uh, take some of some of the responsibility, some of the load uh, off of off his his shoulders, and so campaign really hasn't been that backup that that you that you want um, in, in that regard. So is it, hey, do we keep Chris Paul because we like his leadership when we like what he can do, but he, you know, really hasn't been the same. So do we find another backup point guard that's better or uh, do we just move on from him altogether? And if you move on, then uh, who do you go get? Do you do you look to draft someone or do you look to um, uh, to get someone else? It's a very tough conversation because – you're kind of like, well, um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's a Hall of Famer for a reason, and I th- I think he's so good that he's kind of made Devin Booker a Hall of Famer. Like, you know, he's, I don't think Devin Booker is a Hall of Famer now. Um, I think that maybe with or without Chris Paul that, he, you know, that uh, Devin Booker has the potential to be a Hall of Famer uh, with or without him, but with Chris Paul and his guidance and his leadership, I think it really has, you know, um, made a difference as a whole. Um, and um, it, it really does. Now, obviously, barring a freak injury or accident um, with Devin Booker, then there that ends his career. He there he's not a Hall of Famer, but. 
I think uh, what Chris Paul has meant to the team, what he you know and has done for Devin Booker, I think it really has made a big difference. So it's a tough conversation to have, and 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 uh, it, it's it's tough to um, to say goodbye um, if if that's what you're doing. So uh, for me, I think, uh, and there's no easy answer, but I, I think it might be time to move on from after the end of this year. So God forbid if the Suns get swept, um, then you know obviously you you look to replace them as soon as the series is over, um, um, or if they continue going on and maybe they get knocked out in the next series, then then that series or you know whatever whatever the point of the, the Suns in, end is is when you when you need to have that conversation and, and do it if you're if they're not already having that conversation. Um, because it, it's it's tough and and uh, you know and none of us should be like oh well Chris you need to retire you know if if someone um, wants to pay you the money then you know then take the money you know um, you don't have to retire but it it's it's an interesting one and so my thought process is that um, you know might need to to move on from them uh, at the end of this season, whenever that may be, and, and it's tough to tough to say. And and you, you know you you want to give a uh, you know have Chris take a bow, and you want to you know standing ovation for him because he he's done so so many things for this organization. But um, at this point, he's kind of become somewhat of a liability. Um, so it, it it's it's tough. Um, and I don't want to make it personal. Um, speaking of making things personal, um, you know, feel free to rip me on this next one. This is something that's been, um, passed along. And so this, this, uh, this question, this, this, uh, a failure to, to Giannis, Giannis and the Bucks have, were eliminated. Uh, they were a number one seed to, to be eliminated by an eighth seed. It's actually happened already in the in the uh, NHL uh, playoffs. Uh, both uh, I think both number one seeds have already been eliminated, um, and so um, just Giannis was asked if the season was a failure. That's basically the question. So this has kind of been floating around, and I you know I've been meaning to give my um, opinion on it. So I'm gonna give my opinion on it now, and it might it, be honest. It's an opinion that most people will be shocked about. I just asked Bud the exact same question, but I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh, my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? With, which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me? No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. 
there's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Simple as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better. Not have a ten day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year. And I, last year I was in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back. But I remember it. So um maybe barring you know just being eliminated you you might get a different answer uh he says he was wasn't in, in a right headspace last time when the question was asked i think it's a 100% a fair question i uh, it it's a fair question i i don't know how else to say it and so though i love the response and i respect um Giannis's answer let me tell you something. I absolutely disagree with it. I do. Um, and I think what he's trying to say, and, and, and you know, so I'm going to give him credit here. I think what he's trying to say is, and, and what he said is absolutely true. Yes, failure, you know, I, I think people have an issue with the word failure. That, like, um, I know that I... I have, I definitely have an issue with the word. This was like a couple of years ago. You know, everybody's like, you knew the palm, you know, the, the palm to the face. Ah, fail, 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 fail. You know, that, that was like the thing everywhere. Fail, 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 fail. And it pissed me off. Let's just say it, it just pissed me off. And, and I'm not necessarily afraid of failure, but I know the power of such a negative word can have. And I think that's kind of what Giannis is, is going after. And I think there's a big difference between corporate failure and individual failure. I believe that Giannis is, is kind of, you know, it, it. I think he understands the difference between the two. But he also wants to defend his team they just they just lost you know and and they had a great season they were they had a great season of course um but if you talk to any other team they're going to say the same thing that if you don't win the championship only one team can win it it's a failure for the other 29 teams that's just the way it goes that's how it is in competition and that's why i don't um i don't agree with what he said because they're gonna you know a real competitor would would say that and i'm not saying that Giannis is not a real competitor i shouldn't have said it like that but but i would like to hear devin booker being asked about it he hasn't been asked about it that i know of up to this point hey you know book have i don't know if you heard uh, Giannis's take on on failure, you know, what what do you what do you think, you know? And though the Suns are not out it yet, maybe you know, maybe he might have a different an, an answer. Or if you asked him, you know, basically the same thing that you that Giannis was asked, and see what Book would say. I think that Book, because I know how 
I don't know him super personally, you know, so I'm not in the media in that way. Uh, so I can't definitively, but from, you know, all the years of watching book, he would probably say, yeah, it's failure. We didn't, we, we didn't win at all. Only, only one team can win it. And so, um, it, it's, so there, there's elements of it that, that I, you know, agree with and disagree with, but, um, I can't I shouldn't say that I totally disagree with it. I think it, there, there are a lot of truths to it and that you should view failure as as the stepping stones that he referred to, but it is what it is. And so many people are so afraid of that that word uh, of failure and they don't let it uh, let it push them. And I think, you know, uh, the 50 or whatever years that the Bucks have been a franchise, yeah, they failed. All those times that they didn't get it. All the sons have never won a championship. They've been failing the whole time. Um, and it sucks to hear and it sucks to say, but they have. They have you know, they they haven't reached the pinnacle. Any team should say that, and that's the mindset you should have. I think you should you should separate the two between individual and personal uh failure. Uh, or um individual and personal uh versus cor- corporate uh failure. Um, as a team, the Bucks failed. Um, individually, I think um, for Giannis, I I don't think the the season was a failure. I think he, I I think that he's he's one of those players that he's going to give it his all every minute he's out there. So for him, for him, he wasn't a failure, but the team was a failure, and it, it's just I I mean I'm sorry Giannis to say that and that I disagree with how. You know, I, I like the way you, the, what the aspects of what you said, but I disagree with the whole thing, um, and and it should be viewed at that. But it, you know, you take that view of yeah, we failed, and you turn it into those stepping stones that, that you talked about, and so, um, you know, I feel free to to rip me and say, oh, you know, why are you gonna rip apart that or what, you know. Um, you, you don't know, you, you haven't competed in the highest level. No, I haven't competed on the highest level, but for me, there, it, there, there's winners and losers in this, in this world. And there's, there's success and failure. Um, and I think the wussification of America right now, where everything's a participation trophy, everybody's a winner and, and there, there aren't any, any losers, um, I think that's that's why we have so many people that are are afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of failure. I'm failing this podcast. I had um, you know a little something something coming my way through Anchor. Anchor dropped me. Said, "Hey, your numbers aren't good enough." That's basically you know I failed. But is it going to keep me down? Absolutely not. Um, so I think. You know the way you address it really, really matters. I don't want to beat beat a, a dead horse, but if you have, you know, if you agree more with Giannis, if you agree partly with Giannis or whatever, or you agree with me, disagree with me, whatever it is, email me. Give me your, give me your your thoughts and opinions. I've seen this video go around, so some of y'all are sharing your opinion by sharing the video. Um, so I know you guys have an opinion on this thing. Um, I want to hear it. So email me, bigskysportstalk at gmail.com. 
and we'll let's get involved in a conversation. We'll, we'll, you know, if you want to join the show and talk about the difference between success and failures, maybe you, you're an athlete yourself, and 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 how do you view success or failures? I really, really want to know, um, and I, I would, I, I like to, you know, get get that out there and let let's 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 talk about it. Um, uh, I, st- I extend an invitation to. Um, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk, TC Sports Talk. You guys, if you guys are listening, no matter how long from now, uh, today is the uh, the third of um of May. Um, how long from now it is that you you finally listen to this and you get to this point? Oh, let's 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 get online. Let let's let's uh, podcast and let's talk about this. I'm, kind of surprised you guys haven't up to this point let's just be honest but you know i i just don't mean to throw you under the bus like that but let let's you know do you agree or disagree you know it, i want any and every input big sky sports talk at gmail.com facebook and instagram um just type big sky sports talks at big sky sports talk and and we'll you know we'll get that out there um i uh i i do believe that's everything uh, that I have, um, I'll go ahead and play the music, but I'm not going to play it all the way through for a lot of reasons because I just kind of did most of my outro, um, just now, but, um, feel free to, like I said, always get involved however you want to, want to do that. Um, and then, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Stitcher, um, the show is available, uh, everywhere, uh, everywhere you are. So I really do appreciate it guys. Um, and, uh, shoot, shoot me those messages about the, uh, this topic and, and other topics too, if you, if you'd like, um, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you.